بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له رب العالمين وأشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا محمد عبده ورسوله المبعوث رحمة للعالمين صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه طيبين طاهرين ومن تبعهم بإحسان ودعا بدعوتهم مستن بسنتهم واقتدى بهديهم إلى يوم الدين أما بعد My dear respected brothers and sisters in Islam Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Last night we were discussing ayah 164 of Surah Ali Imran and there are some additional points regarding this ayah that I would like to share tonight Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says just to refresh our memory لَقَدْ مَنَّ اللَّهُ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ Indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has done a great favor upon the believers إِذْ بَعَثَ فِيهِمْ رَسُولًا مِنْ أَنفُسِهِمْ when he sent in them and he sent amongst them a messenger who came from themselves and this messenger what does he do four tasks are mentioned he relates unto them and narrates unto them recites unto them the ayats of the Quran and he purifies them and he teaches them the meanings of the book the Quran and the wisdom the way of the sunnah وَإِن كَانُوا مِنْ قَبْلُ لَفِي ضَلَالٍ مُبِينٍ And definitely prior to his advent and his being sent, they were indeed in open error and open misguidance and they were astray. So we talked about how Ibrahim salam had made dua for his progeny and he had made dua that, O oh Allah, send in my progeny a prophet who will do these four tasks. And he mentioned the exact same four things in Surah Al-Baqarah, it is narrated. رَبَّنَا وَبَعَثْ فِيهِمْ رَسُولًا مِّنْهُمْ يَتْلُوَ عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتِهِ وَيُزَكِّيهِمْ وَيُعَلِّمُهُمُ الْكِتَابَ وَالْحِكْمَةِ رَبَّنَا وَبَعَثْ فِيهِمْ رَسُولًا مِّنْهُمْ يَتْلُوَ عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتِكَ وَيُعَلِّمُهُمُ الْكِتَابَ وَالْحِكْمَةِ إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ الْعَزِيزُ الْحَكِيمُ رَبَّنَا وَبَعَثْ فِيهِمْ رَسُولًا مِّنْهُمْ يَتْلُوَ عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتِكَ وَيُعَلِّمُهُمُ الْكِتَابَ وَالْحِكْمَةَ وَيُزَكِّيهِمْ إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ الْعَزِيزُ الْحَكِيمُ that is the correct order over there. So in any case, this ayah is mentioned where Ibrahim السلام, made the dua and asked for four things. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepted his dua in the form of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And we talked about how Rasulullah sallallahu was a very comprehensive, uh, uh, superhuman being, how he was able to accomplish all of these tasks and much more beyond these tasks as well. But thereafter, in the time of the Sahaba and Tabi'un and Right from the first generation of Sahaba, then um, different sectors of the Ummah took up various different tasks and specialized in those tasks. No one was able to do everything as Rasulullah was uh, able to do so by himself. And we talked about the Salasil and the chains of scholars uh, from today that link back to Rasulullah in the various disciplines. So that was the discussion last night. Now moving forward, there's one additional point which is really important and is relevant for us in this month of Ramadan as well and that is that there are only four tasks mentioned here and there are not 40 tasks or 14 tasks only four tasks so each one is very important and there's no redundancy and nothing is mentioned double nothing unimportant is mentioned only highly important tasks are mentioned here in the purposes of prophethood why the Nabi has been sent 
and uh, from these four tasks uh, two of them two of these purposes of prophethood deal with the Quran and that is unique you know Allah Ta'ala could have gotten by by mentioning the Quran once but Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala mentions two distinct uh, aspects of the Quran one of them he says yatlu alayhim ayatihi they make the, uh, this Nabi will be making tilawa of the ayats of the Quran and then Allah Ta'ala says وَيُعَلِّمُهُمُ الْكِتَابِ then uh, the Nabi will be teaching the meanings of the book so one is tilawatul ayat and re- uh, relating and reciting the ayat and one is ta'limul kitab which means to teach the meanings of the book so this t- teaches us that the Quran is a combination of two things and they are the mabani wal ma'ani the wordings and the meanings both of them are an objective uh, in with respect to the Quran um, if we take the words of the Quran intact and we distort the meanings and we come up with something uh, that is against the intent of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we derive wrong meanings from the Quran as has been happening in the past with all the deviant sects of Islam the non-Muslims they just straight up don't believe in the Quran but the deviant sects of within Islam or of Islam they claim to follow Quran and despite claiming to follow Quran uh, they went astray because they came up with uh, very distorted meanings of the Quran like the Yehud did in the past and this is called Taharif. Taharif means to uh, change and distort the meanings and message of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Quran al Karim. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala already mentioned it to us in Surah Al Baqarah that Yudhillu bihi kathira wa yahdi bihi kathira. Many people are misguided through the book and many people are guided through the book. And only the sinners are those who are going to be misguided through the book. The righteous believers, they are not going to be misguided through the Qur'an. They will be guided through the Qur'an. So, in this ayah, in fact, يُضِلُّ بِهِ kathira is mentioned first and يَهْدِي بِهِ kathira is mentioned afterwards. Which is very surprising. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions many people will be misguided through the book first and then many people will be guided through the book. He mentions it afterwards. نَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ this does not mean that the purpose of the Quran is a, that it is a book of misguidance. Rather, the reason Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions Yudillu bihi kathira first is to highlight that this can also happen. This is something you would not expect. And it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's book of guidance. That is the primary purpose of the Quran. It is Hudal nasi and Hudal muttaqin as we talked about as well in an earlier session. About in fact, we talked about it last night how the Quran is a hidayah for all of mankind, but those who are the muttaqin will benefit from it. So, the Quran has been sent for guidance. However, um, there are people who will distort the meanings of the Quran and they will be misguided through the Quran. So, if someone takes a passage of the Quran and distorts the meaning of it, we will say and says this is the Quranic message we will say no you are incorrect this is not the Quranic message 
because just like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised to preserve the words of the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised to preserve the meanings of the Quran. When Allah Ta'ala says, Inna wa inna lahu Verily we have revealed the Quran and verily we will protect it, then this protection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala extends to both the words and the meanings. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam himself explained the meanings of the Quran. And this explanation that he gave was inspired by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in Surah Al-Qiyamah, Initially, when Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam would be so stressed out to memorize the ayat of the Quran, when Jibril alayhi salam would uh, would uh, reveal it upon him that he would be moving his tongue and moving his lips very rapidly, trying to memorize the ayat as soon as possible so not to forget it, then Allah subhanahu wa taala consoled him and said, "You do not need to worry. La tuharik bihi lisanak. Do not continue to move your lips and your tongue. to quickly memorize it. Inna alina jamaahu wa Qurana." It is our responsibility to preserve this Quran in your heart and to inspire you to recite it to the people. Then it is our responsibility to inspire within you the bayan of the Quran, the explanation of the Quran. So Rasulullah explained the Quran. And those ahadith have been collected in wherein Rasulullah explains the Quran. Like if you pick up Sahih al-Bukhari, it is a book of hadith of Rasulullah. It is not a book of tafsir. It is not a book of fiqh. But it is a book of hadith but within the book of hadith you will have the chapter kitab tafsir the chapter on tafsir of the quran meaning those statements of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam wherein he described the meanings of ayat and this is a distinct genre within the tafsir literature of those books that concentrate on the hadith of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam fi tafsir bil ma'thur of jalaluddin siyuti has all the hadith of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam pertaining to explanation of, of the ayat as well as Ibn Kathir and Tabari Rahimahumullah They worked in this regard Collecting the different narrations of Rasulullah That explained the ayat of the Quran And we will say that your explanation Does not match with the explanation of Rasulullah Does not match with the explanation of Sahaba and Tabi'un And the Aslaf and the scholars of this Ummah So therefore we reject it It is not Quran Right And the opposite is true as well If somebody rearranges the words of the Quran And um it tries to make it an easier Arabic Makes an abridged version And presents it as the Quran And they have uh, the same meaning Or approximately same meaning In easier words Or rearranged words We cannot call that Quran We can call that a tafsir of the Quran A tasheel of the Quran An easier uh, version of the Quranic words But no way can we call it Quran We won't even say it's an easy version of Quran billah, We can't even say that we will say this is an explanation of the Quran. This is a, 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 um, a, a elucidation of the meanings of the Quran, explication of the Quran, tafsir of the Quran. We cannot call it a miniature Quran, a bridge Quran. We will never call that. In fact, even the translations. All right, if the translation we convey as far as possible, as far as the human endeavors are concerned, the nearest and um, best interpretation of the word of the Quran. We cannot call that translation Quran Whether it is in Farsi Whether it is in Urdu or English Or any language uh, For In fact for centuries no one translated the Quran Because of this fear Then the first translation that was ever done Was done into Farsi by Shah Waliullah And then his son translated it Into Urdu for the first time And some t- some scholars Initially Were against it Because they said that 
people will regard this as Quran. And this has to be very clearly mentioned in a majority of the translations they have this in the introduction. This is a interpretation of the meanings of the Quran to the best of our ability. By no means is this the Quran. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent Rasulullah to fulfill both tasks. He made tilawat of the ayat, he recited the words, الكتاب, and he taught the meanings. Now, as far as the meanings being an objective and something important, you can't distort the meanings, that is very easily understood. And on the other hand, the words being an objective, this requires further explanation. And why so? It is because in all human speech, whenever a speaker is communicating to his audience, or a writer is communicating to the readers through the words, then in all human speech, uh, the meanings are the objective. The ma'ani are maqsood, bidhat. The meanings of the words are the objective, and the words are merely a vehicle uh, to convey the meanings from the speaker to the audience, to the listener, from the writer to the reader. The words are a, a mode of conveying that. They're a conveyance. They are uh, the vehicle to convey those meanings. But in reality, the meaning is the objective. So that is why once you read the text and you understand the text and you understand what is going on, all right, then there is no p- point to continue to read the words because the meaning has already transmitted, been transmitted from the sp- writer to the reader. Now you don't have to continue to read the words over and over again. There is no purpose for that. All right. Whether it's a magazine, newspaper, whether it's a textbook from school or college, uh, whatever form, whether it's the news, whether whether it's um, um, print uh, media or if it is uh, online, any anything we read, the objective is the meanings behind the words, not the words in themselves. Um, that is why, at most, if we don't understand the meaning the first time, it, there is a, a, a genuine reason to read it again. And if it still doesn't make sense, you might read it again. Uh, but once you understand the meaning, then you stop reading it. So this is sometimes how we treat the Quran. right? We don't realize that um, the Quran is very unique in that the meanings are maqsood for sure and are an objective to understand the message of the Quran, what Allah Ta'ala is trying to convey to us. However, along with the meanings, the words are also equally important. The words are also equally important. And there is special barakah and reward in reciting the words of the Quran, even if the meaning is understood already or the meaning is absolutely not understood. Both ex- scenarios. Uh, when understanding the meaning for the first time, then you read the words, that makes sense. If you already know the meaning, uh, still you read the words, you will be rewarded. And if you have no idea about the meaning, still you read the words, you will be rewarded. So the reward for reciting the words of the Quran are in all conditions because the words are in themselves an objective. So the Ummah, um, uh, may Allah forgive them and may Allah guide them. The Ummah, the people, the community, the Muslim community, with respect to this, they have gone to two extremes. One extreme is such that they have held on to the words only and they have forgotten about the meanings. So they make khatm al-Quran when someone passes away. They make khatm uh, they make uh, uh, you know, on the third day of the death, they have the tijwa, and then on the fortieth day, they have the chelam, and then the annual barsi, and all of these rituals that they have, where they take out the Quran and read it. Uh, but in their own lives, they they are not interested in practicing the teachings, 
and, and they're not interested in learning the meanings they will kiss the Quran and put it on their forehead and put it nicely and respectfully in a high place which is nothing wrong it's absolutely uh, great that they do that and we should con- respect the Quran I'm not de- uh, demeaning that but I'm saying that's the limit of it uh, if if you ask them what, what does Allah Ta'ala is trying to say here what is the meaning of this ayat they have no concern to learn they have no interest to, and desire to find out they are content with the words and just reading the words so they have held on to one aspect of the Quran and they have forgotten the other aspect and the other aspect uh, other extreme are those um, who say or at least claim even though they are far from the reality they claim uh, to be concerned about the meanings of the Quran and studying the tafsir or giving their own tafsir giving their own interpretations what do they consider the meanings of the Quran this is by itself very dangerous Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam has said man qala fil qur'ani bi ra'yihi faqad akhta'a wa in asab whoever speaks about the Quran with, from his own opinion he has committed an error even if he by chance says the right thing he has still committed a sin even by chance if he says the right thing and man qala fil qur'ani bi ghayri ilmin falyatabawwa maq'adahu min an-nar whoever speaks about the Quran without knowledge let him prepare his abode in the fire of jahannam so these are very clear warnings uh, about giving the tafsir of the Quran from one's own side anyway these people they claim to understand the Quran or study the Quran and, and they give tafsir of the Quran and they will never make tilawat of the Quran they will never make a khatam of reciting the words they will say that you know we are understanding the meaning that's the objective why do you need to continue to read the words so they are treating the Quran like any other human speech which is a grave error in fact they uh, mock those who are concerned about the words of the Quran you guys are just reading it you don't understand what's going on and they attack them and so much so that those who focus on the words include the hafaz of the Quran those who memorize the Quran and are preserving the entire Quran in their chest they will say that these people are a cause of the decline of the Muslim Ummah in scholarship and understanding it is all the problems of the Ummah is because of these kids who are becoming hafiz of the Quran and the term they always use is parrot-like the parrot-like recitation of the Quran so they demean the hifz of the Quran right, so this is the other extreme the correct uh, approach is the middle approach that recite the words of the Quran and, and take the barakah and reward of reciting it and along with it make an effort to the best of one's ability to understand the meanings as well don't ignore the words, don't ignore the meanings try to take both in at the same time now as far as reciting the words is concerned Rasulullah himself upon him it was revealed and he was inspired with the meanings and he understood the message of the Quran yet we find that daily he would recite some portion of the Quran and he would make the khatam within a stipulated time in the month of Ramadan he would make uh, multiple khatams with Jibreel his teacher and different khatam with Zayd his student he recited the entire Quran to him and he listened to the entire Quran from him so Rasulullah would have the least need to recite the Quran if the purpose of the Quran was just understanding the meaning uh, however Rasulullah continued to recite the Quran because the words are an objective and all of the virtues that are mentioned of reciting Surah Yasin reciting Alif, La, Mim, Sajda before sleep reciting Surah Al-Mulk before sleep reciting, reciting Surah Dukhan on Thursday nights reciting Surah Al-Kahf on Fridays 
right? All of these specific virtues for the Quran are for reciting the words of the Quran. If you read the tafsir of Surah Al-Kahf on Fridays, that's awesome, that's great. But that does not replace reciting the Surah Al-Kahf when it comes to protection from Dajjal. You actually have to recite the words of Surah Al-Kahf as Rasulullah did and as Rasulullah explained that whoever will recite Surah Al-Kahf, that does not mean reading the translation. And speaking about uh, reciting Surah Al-Kahf does not mean the reading the translation but rather the words. Let's go to the word Tilawah. يَتْلُوَ عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتِهِ as Allah Ta'ala mentions here, it is the task of Rasulullah to make tilawat of the ayat. So tilawat is a unique Arabic verb. Uh, it means to follow in the footsteps of. So the one who is making tilawat of the Quran is following the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Step by step as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the ayat, that is how he is reciting them. That's the meaning of tilawah in the lugha, in the dictionary. But in the Islamic terminology, it refers to the ritual recital of the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the niyyah of ibadah and worshipping of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is a unique verb which comes only for reciting the Quran which is a distinct ritual worship and ibadah, maqsuda, objective of the deen for which there will be rewards written in the book of deeds. That is a specific meaning of the verb tala yatlu tilawatan and the verb tala in the past tense, yatlu in the perfect tense, present and future and tilawa is the verbal noun, the root noun. Talayatlu tilawa. This is a specific verb which means reciting the Quran. And how is that important? What's the importance of this grammar and this background? How does it impact us? The impact is that tilawa, the word is only used for reciting the Quran, cannot be used for anything else. You cannot make tilawa of a newspaper, of a magazine, of any book of sharia, of fiqh, of aqidah, of, of tajweed. Even you cannot make tilawa of the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. You cannot say ana atlu su ana atlu Sahih al-Bukhari. I am making tilawa of Sahih Bukhari or Sahih Muslim or Nasa'i or Tirmidhi or Abu Dawood or Ibn Majah. You cannot make tilawa of any of the books of hadith. You can only make tilawa of the Quran. And this is that book that you, is the only book that you cannot touch without wudu, right? Other books, it, it is recommended to have wudu when teaching, when touching hadith or fiqh or aqidah, but uh, but it is not mandatory binding. Subhanallah, the Quran is the only book that you have to be in a state of wudu when you touch it. So, it is the only book that reciting uh, the ayat would be a, a indicate uh, would receive specific reward just for reading it. Then the question sometimes arises that okay, I need to start learning the meaning and I need to focus on the meaning, but I don't know all of the meaning right now. Is there any point in me reciting? Is there any blessing in me reciting? Any reward in me reciting if I don't understand the meaning? So the answer is that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala will reward upon reciting the Quran with meaning double and without meaning as well it is not devoid of barakah it is not devoid of reward in fact there will be reward for reciting the Quran even if a person does not understand the meaning and uh, this is not something that we have to derive on our own as a scholars but rather it was mentioned by none other than Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam in the well known hadith wherein he said man qara harfan min kitabillah falahu bihi hasana Whoever recites uh, one letter from the Quran will receive uh, rewards for that. And every reward will be multiplied ten times. 
every reward will be multiplied ten times. لا أقول ألف لا ميم حرف بل ألف حرف ولام حرف وميم حرف. Now when Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam wanted to give an example that whoever recites the Quran will receive ten rewards for every single letter, then Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi had the entire Quranic vocabulary in front of him to choose any word as an example. He could have started with Alhamdu, the first ayat of Surah Al-Fatiha. Alhamdu, that there is ten rewards for Alif or Hamza, ten rewards for Lam, ten rewards for Ha, ten rewards for Meem, ten rewards for Dal. He could have done that, right? All right. But Allah Subhanahu, uh, but Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam did not give an example of Alhamdu. He did not give an example of Bismillah Rahman Rahim. He did not give an example of uh, 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 of uh, any other verse. In fact, he gave an example of Alif, La, Mim. La aqulu Alif, La, Mim, Harfun. I will not say that Alif, La, Mim is one harf. Rather, but Alifun, Harfun, Alif is a harf. Walamun Harfun, Lam is a harf. Wamimun Harfun, Mim is a harf. There's 10 rewards each. For saying Alif, La, Mim, you will receive 30 rewards as mentioned by Rasulullah Wasallam in this hadith. Now, what is unique about the choice of words by Rasulullah Wasallam? There is a lesson here for all of us. And that is that when Rasulullah Wasallam wanted to give an example for 30 rewards for three letters, he chose those three letters, the meanings of which are absolutely unknown. The meanings of which are unknown. And this is a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the believers that they don't try to uh, uh, decode uh, these letters. They are known as al-huruf al-muqatta'at, the separated letters at the beginning of various surahs, like ha, mim, ayn, sin, qaf, kaf, ha, ya, ayn, sad, alif, la, mim, ha, mim, ta, sin, ta, sim, mim, nun, qaf. All of these letters, they come in the beginning of various surahs. So they are called huruf al-muqatta'at, and their meanings are not known. And this is a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for us to submit ourselves to say that, Oh Allah, you alone know best what the secret of these, the meaning of these words are. Uh, and that is why in every single tafsir, after these letters are mentioned, it is uh, universally uh, uh, understood and mentioned in all the books of tafsir that Allahu a'lamu bi muradihi bi Allah alone knows the best intended meaning of uh, uh, by those words what is it, what are the best intended meanings of those words only allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows and he knows best so rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam when he gave the example that you will receive 10 rewards for each letter he gave the example of alif lam mim and the meaning is unknown so likewise if there are other words uh, the meaning of which is not known to the reciter it will not diminish his reward it will not de- uh, decrease his reward. He will still get ten times the uh, ten rewards for each letter, inshallah. So let us understand this very well: that the words are an objective, the meanings are an objective. Both are objectives of the de- of the deen of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and we cannot abandon the meanings and f- hold on to the words only. We cannot uh, hold on to some uh, uh, understood meanings of the Quran and uh, uh, abandon reciting it. Rather, we have to recite it with understanding and uh, understand that both are objectives. يَتْلُوا عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتِهِ and يُعَلِّمُهُمُ الْكِتَابِ May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us tawfiq in this month of Ramadan that uh, we recite uh, the words and make a khatam 
and we make a tarjumah of the Quran, we make a khatam of the tarjumah and study the translation as well. This way we'll be taking both side by side parallel efforts with regards to perfecting the recitation of the words and also to understand the meanings. وَآخِرُ دَعْوَانَا أَنِ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ